Starry, starry night Paint your palette blue and gray Seven minutes after the hour of eight o'clock and it is my pleasure to have legendary singer, songwriter, Don McLean with me on the show this morning. Good morning, Don. Hi, how are you? Well, we're doing great. And, yeah, uh, sounds like it. Yeah, we're having a little fun here and getting ready for uh, your visit uh, this weekend. Of course, uh, coming Saturday night to the Vern Rife Center for the Arts. Wow, that's going to be great. Yes, it is. And, uh, Don, let me ask you a few questions. Uh, first of all, uh, you're living in Maine now? Yeah, I've been up here for about 15 years. Uh-huh. And you that's where that's where you reside right now? Yeah. Okay. Well, Don, you know, you uh started writing at, at a young age. Actually, did quite a bit of stuff and and wrote a huge uh, hit for Perry Como, is that correct? Yeah, actually the the song was uh, recorded by me first and got on the charts. It was it was amazing because you know the first album that I made, Tapestry, was called actually before the Carol King one that really was a huge record. Uh Actually, I had two songs that ended up on the charts, which blew me away. I didn't expect that. One was And I Love You So, and the other was, was Castles in the Air. And those are both things that have uh, stapled of my uh, repertoire for many years. But uh, And I Love You So then started getting recorded by all of the pop singers in the early 70s. You know, Andy Williams and um, Johnny Mathis and all those folks. And then Como, who was sort of the grand old man of that kind of thing <laughs> had one record with it so yeah. and then after that Elvis began recording it so it, it, it had a heck of a long run uh, during the 70s what you have uh, just an unbelievable uh, a style of music and an ear for music too. Now I had a listener call me this morning and tell me that uh, you're a huge uh, Western uh, fan and uh, yeah. you, do you know you're coming to Roy Rogers hometown? I did not know I know he was born in Duck Run. Well, that's right here. Which, isn't that something? Yeah, and I know you've included Happy Trails on one of your albums. Oh, yeah, well, actually, one of the songs on this album, uh, uh, I'll just digress for a moment. There's a website, don-mclean.com or americanpie.com, and there are a number of, uh, of, of CDs that can only be gotten either at the show or online. One of them is called The Western Album, and on there is an album called My song called My Saddle Pal and I, which was written by Roy Rogers, and it was in a, a Charles Sterrett movie in the 30s. Wow. Called Outlaws of the Plains. Okay. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I love that kind of stuff, and I've, I used to actually go to the, the Roy Rogers Museum in Victorville um, when I would go out to California. Well, we have a, uh, one here, actually, and then we also have a, uh, he's on the murals. We have a flood wall that is just uh, ordained with all kinds of past historical things. And museum of his in, in Portsmouth? Yes, we actually have, a, uh, it's, in the, it's in the post office, and we do have a museum, and maybe when you're in town, if you'd like to go see it, we can make arrangements for that. Wow, cool. Right now, it's not open to the public, but it's open for special occasions. And, Don, I think you're a special occasion. <laughs> hey, uh, let's, you know, you, you've written so many great songs. Uh, uh, let me ask you a question. Let's go back and talk a little American Pie. Can we do that? Sure. Okay. When you sat down and wrote that song 35 years ago, did you ever, ever have any inkling that this song would have an impact not only in music but socially in the world that it's become. Well, I knew when I thought of the the title when I when I came up with the idea of, of American Pie when I said that when I came up with that I remember a light going off in my head and thinking 
That's a great title. I always used to look at songs, and I would look at the titles of albums, look at the titles of songs, and they had to be special, and that one was, and it inspired me, in a sense, to spend a long time thinking about what the concept of that was going to be. I already had a chorus, mm -hmm. and I had a front part of the song about Buddy Holly, but... Uh, it took me another three months to get it together. You know, nobody had ever had an eight-minute song before, so there was no way to, to ever think that such a song would be, uh, you know, a big song. Well, I remember so, it when know, I was in my early days of radio, and of course they sent the 45 out, and they put uh, half of it on one side and half of it on the other. That's right. They put half on one side and half on the other, and, uh, you know, the great thing about it was that uh, you ended up... Uh, getting a double play you end up getting a double play on it so right every, every, everybody got paid <laughs> twice believe it or not the song got every time you played it they played that then they went and bought the album because they right. could only get half the song um you know on on the record so they would buy the album so they could hear the whole track well, you know, the song and the song and FM radio at the time couldn't have come along at a better time because FM uh, was kind of in its uh, infancy uh, throes of trying to find things to bring listeners to the FM dial from the AM dial. And uh, I think they kind of just were drawn to it like a magnet, and that song became such an anthem, I mean, then and still is now. Well, you know, it's amazing because, you know, most people that know the song were not around even when it was written. Right. But I remember it opening these floodgates of people wanting to hear oldies, 50s songs. And I remember all these 50s stations uh, starting up afterwards. The 50s format was not really even around in, the, in 71. Right. But they'd play American Pie, and then they'd play Maybe Baby. They'd play American <laughs> Pie, they'd play That'll Be the Day. And then, because people wanted to hear this music, and it had been kind of uh, pushed aside, you know, because we were always moving forward, sure. looking backwards. American Pie started people looking backwards, I guess, while they were going forward or something. Well, well you know, the, the song, I mean, there's been college courses about this song, Don. Uh, you know, the symbolism, what does this mean, what does that mean? Have you ever cracked the code on that, written a book, or, I mean, it's no, such... I wanted you to think those things, that was part of the fun of the song, but, right. but it's also supposed to be vague as well, so to, to be specific about it kind of takes the the fun out of it so right. i've always you know left that alone but it's not because i'm i'm being coy it's because it's <laughs> part of the whole idea I, I sort of you know when i write a song um and that's probably the, the greatest example of anything i ever did I, I always try to go into a world and that that was a world that that required a bit of a romana clef you know mm -hmm. but it wasn't but it isn't totally that way it's really sort of like a, a dream and so that's it was very difficult to express what it was that I had in my head. All right. And but I did it. And the thing about it is that that we made a good record. We had a good record company. We then had a hit with it, which was this phenomenon. And I was able to, luckily enough, launch it rather than have it be just something that stayed on the shelf or that was a, a nice track somewhere on an album that didn't sell. Sure. So there were a whole lot of other wonderful things that happened. How long did it take you to write the song in its entirety? Uh, it didn't take more than an hour, but it was stretched out over about three months. Right. 
I heard, now this is, uh, of course, part of the Don McLean American Pie lore. Isn't there a tavern in New York or somewhere, a booth where you supposedly sat and did, did a, a lion's share of writing that song? None of that, none of that stuff is true. Okay. No. I heard a friend of mine from New York says, oh, I, I sat in the same booth that Don wrote the song. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not, a lot of this stuff gets started. I'm, a, you know, singularly um, a homebody. I think I wrote that. At, a, at the home of a, a friend, of a girlfriend I had, and in, in, in part of it, and right. the other part was written in my in my little house that I lived in when I lived in Cold Spring, New York, on the Hudson River. So no. Yeah. Well, you know, here it is, uh, 35 years later, and, and you know, you've introduced the song into generations and generations of people who who weren't even around at the time, and, and love it. And you know. As a songwriter and a performer, that's almost as close to writing like "Happy Birthday to You." I mean, this song is going to live forever, and that—that's just a, a magnificent feat. Well, you know, and I—I I, I mean, I, I got inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, and that was probably one of the most memorable nights of my life, as far as you know, my career goes. And uh, I've had a lot of amazing things happen to me in my career, which has been never been on the straight and narrow there's always been <laughs> odd things that have happened to me that have sort of yeah. come out of the blue you know whether it was the killing me softly thing or the vincent thing or the well, t tell me a little bit about that because i think that's one of those little known facts a lot of people don't realize but i mean music aficionados do that the roberta flack song killing me softly with his song is about you yeah i'm the, I'm the guy in the song according to uh <clears throat> Lori lieberman whose managers and songwriters wrote the song and they based it on her uh, telling them what it was like seeing me sing a song called Empty Chairs uh, mm -hmm. at the Troubadour in Los Angeles. And um, I didn't have anything to do with this. I don't even have a PR agent. Uh, she went on television when the song was number one, when Roberta's record was number one, and uh, told the story. So that's how it got out, because at that time a lot of people were saying, oh, no, it's about Warren Beatty. You know, <laughs> So uh, there was a lot of Wizard About kind of stuff actually spawned by American Pie, you know, which sure. started that whole thing. So it was kind of funny. But, you know, at that point, I was sort of off the radar. Here I am coming back again. So um, it's like when Garth Brooks had me in Central Park there and uh, the clip of the two of us singing that song went all over the world in front of a million people. Right. I mean, you know, I've just been lifted up by friends and, and people who liked what I did or maybe the music meant something to them, but it's never been the record company or big money or uh, PR or any of that stuff uh, behind me because record companies uh, never knew what I did. They never really understood what I did. Well, here, you know, you're in the middle of, uh, you know, rock and roll, top 40 radio, and, and you've released uh, American Pie to, to the masses, and it, it is huge. And then only Don McLean can write a song about Vincent Van Gogh and have it also be a, a huge, iconish hit that's uh, still as popular today as it ever was. We're talking about Vincent. Well, that that one keeps coming back. Uh, you know, we've had a number of recordings on that, and uh, Josh Groban brought it back, and Julio Iglesias brought it back, and it'll probably come back again someday with someone else. <laughs> uh, um, you know, I, all, all I... All these songs do is represent the kind of corners of my mind and, and the way I think about things. And the, I think the thing to notice about the, those two songs is how totally different they are. Right, exactly. And every other song I've written is totally different from each, each other song. So 
this is not the prescription for commercial success. Uh, you know, they like you to write American Pie 2, 3, 4, 5, you know, keep, keep that particular thing going, but uh, I'm a, kind of a one-to-the-customer guy. Well, I think that's been part of your, um, most of your popularity, Don, is, is you've dared to be different and have it in, in every uh, in every corner of the music industry. Now, the one thing that I also know that, you know, it takes uh, a real master, it takes somebody with real sensitivity to take somebody else's music, somebody such as Roy Orbison, and take that same song and interpret it as, as their own, but of course, Crying became a huge big hit, and uh, just a beautiful piece of music. That's an interesting story. I always loved that song. And I related to that song. I understood that song. I, I, I guess I had some sorrow in my life when I was younger, and I was not all that happy for a whole lot of reasons in the 1970s. A lot of people who were very successful very quickly will probably tell you the same story. Right. But uh, I related to that a record, and I had met Roy at Johnny Cash's house when I lost four Grammys. Uh, the night of the Grammys in Nashville in 73, Ooh. and Roy was a big fan of mine, and I of him, and we, uh, I got to know him, and, and it was so odd because, you know, when I was re finally went to record in Nashville, which is in 1978, uh, I worked with the great Larry Butler, who produced a hundred hits for Kenny Rogers. I mean, this guy was... He was the most amazing producer that anybody ever saw. And, you know, here I came with all these songs. I did this album called Chain Lightning, which, I mean, there were odd songs on this thing, and then there were remakes of things, and yeah. then there were new songs. And, you know, Butler just went with it, you know, because it wasn't what he would think of as Don McLean, but each album isn't, you know. It's always got to be new stuff. So. I felt I want to do, you know, crying, and uh, so okay, let's do it, you know. So we did it. Oh my God, it came out so great! But <clears throat> the record company had just dropped me. It was Arista Records, and I made an album for them. They hated, <laughs> and they wanted out. So the album stuck around for about a year. Right. And then the song popped up on the charts in in Holland, and then it became number one in England and then number one in Australia and our little record company uh, run by Donnie Einer's brother, a guy named Jimmy Einer. Donnie Einer runs Columbia Records. Yeah. Uh, took the record on and became number three and here I was back in it again. You know. <laughs> it's incredible how this works, you know, Don. And again, your, 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 your music selection is... Everything the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw you on the Don Ima show a few uh, months ago. How the hell was working with the I-Man? Well, you know, he's, uh, if he likes you, he likes you, and if he doesn't, he doesn't, but I think he basically wants to like people. I think he right. wants to, uh... He's reaching out, I think, don't you think? He wants to be a good person, and wants <laughs> he doesn't like to be a guy who, uh, misuses his power, because, you know, once you're on the show like that, and you remember Carson, how Carson was, he was, right. he, he was always a little nervous he was going to, you know, trash you in front of the whole, whole country. No, he showed, he showed quite a bit of respect, and you can tell, I think he really was honored having you on his show. Well. As, as I am. You know, I uh, thank you. But uh, I, I'll think nothing of getting up and walking off if someone is, is rude. I, right. I, really don't, I don't need need to do these things. Right. So I think he sensed that. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, you know, it's got to be tough to be on not only live radio, but right, live television at the same time. And, and probably not the, uh, you know, uh, maybe not the most... 
uh, as far as studio audiences go, you got camera guys standing around, so on and so forth, and then trying to do your stuff with all that going on. They're totally distracted. Right. Uh, nobody, although I tell you, they were really went nuts when we, we sang there, and they loved it. And uh, I enjoyed doing the show very much. I enjoyed uh, talking to him, and the show was funny, and it turned out great. Uh, he had he had tried to reach me um, because he wanted to use the lyric from American Pie on his on his cookbook, right. Ranch. Right. And uh, the reason that was is there was a, a little boy there who had passed away, and American Pie was his favorite song. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, this guy's got a lot of heart to be around these children. Oh, absolutely. Um, who are so ill. Yeah. It's, uh, well, really, I, I give him a ton of credit for that because, it, you know, and it's this little boy he got very attached to. And, right. And the kid seemed like he was on the way back. Mm. And then he died. Yeah. And, you know, so I had him on the show and, and played the whole song. And I happened to tune in and see it. Wow. And so... A while later, like a, six months later, he said, you know, where is Don McLean? I want to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> so well, you... I, was, I was summoned, you know, so I called up. He had me on the show on the phone, you yeah. know, and we, I let him use this. Well, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, he went on, uh, he went on Russert's show, and he went on Larry King's show to promote, and all he did was say great things about me. So, you know, it, it's a good thing to do to do good things for people. Sure. I mean, it, it comes around, and especially in this industry, yeah. and I, I, which leads me real quick, I'm going to ask you, have you uh, I guess you worked with Lou Graham once in a giant concert. Maybe that's the one you were talking about there in uh, in New York. Uh, I don't remember, uh, you know, if I did. He he uh, said the bait, I, I, and he was kind of vague as to where it was, but yeah, you guys are going to be on the same stage Saturday night. Blur. It's like a blur. My... my <laughs> First 20 years, I can't remember anything about. <laughs> I mean it. I, mean, I was on the road solid right. for nine months a year for about 12 years. Right. And I don't remember anything. Well, you're going to have some fun. We're going to make you remember Portsmouth, Ohio, and we're going to make you... I'm, I'm going to see if I can maybe get your private tour of the Roy Rogers Museum. How's that sound? Okay. And uh, what, you're, you're coming in on Saturday, I know, you and the band. Coming and uh, in on the day, and we'll be down for the sound check. Okay. Well, Don McLean, it's a pleasure having you on my show here this morning and uh, really looking forward to seeing you. You're going to love the Vern Rife Center. It's as acoustically pleasant as you've ever played, and it, it's a real uh, as a crowd that is going to be so appreciative that uh, you've come to town and uh, can't wait till Saturday night. Terrific. Well, we have a – I want to just tell the folks this is not – you know, if you saw me on Imus, that's the group I take with me, and, uh, you know, we rock and roll. Okay. So it should be a lot of fun. All right, and of course, and then the other thing I want to mention, you've got lots of uh, your stuff you're bringing to town, and you're going to be autographing after your show, is that correct? Oh, well, yes, I will. Okay, so if anybody comes to the show can uh, meet Don McLean. And uh, Don, hang on just a second. I'll be right back with you, okay? Okay. Okay, Don McLean this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Fascinating human being. We'll have a chance to, of course, uh, meet him Saturday night.